0: you locked in chains, didn't ease my pain, left me feeling ashamed, out in the rain, can't explain the pain, how I stay sane, don't like the game, will it ever change? And Welcome to another episode of Resilient Stories Podcast, where we share the grit and glory behind the stories of amazing people like you who have bounced back from failure and adversity to go and live their best lives on purpose. Today's show is being sponsored by Million Dollar Business Pathway, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and to sell. You want to learn how to tell and sell your story? Go visit T.A.Watson.com, go under the Program and Products tab, and click on Million Dollar Business Pathway to get yourself started. So folks, are you guys ready for another amazing episode today? Joining me, I have the one and only Professor James Freeman. How are you, sir? I'm fine, sir. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. We appreciate you being here, Mr. Freeman. It's my pleasure. Yes. So, Professor Freeman, before we get started, um, why don't you introduce the uh, the audience to you and just uh, without going into your story, just um, tell them what you do and
1: if people want to get a hold of you, how they can get a hold of you. Okay. Okay. My name is James Freeman. I I'm re- retired. I was a senior director of inclusion at yeah, retired retired. We all trying to re- retired. <laughs> I was a senior director of inclusion at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, in the director of multicultural affairs. Before that, I was the director of recruitment services at the at uh, Omaha Public Schools. Before that, I was a principal for 28 years. Wow! I started off as a Uh, The elementary principal, I moved to the middle school and I moved back to my passion, which was the elementary schools. And I was there for I was there for 18 years. So I had the privilege to open two new schools. Uh, So uh, and so I'm still kicking. (laughs) (laughs) And looking good, by the way, he's looking real good. over Despite
0: being a Kappa man, I'm an Omega man. Despite being a Kappa man, he's looking pretty good over there. yeah you went wrong
1: but that's all right
0: (laughs) well folks out there uh professor freeman has a great deal of experience as a consultant he's going around the country helping school districts recruit um teachers and administrators for the district helping folks make sure that you're achieving the best when it comes to our students if you need to contact someone and you're looking for someone to help you with that effort please reach out to professor freeman professor freeman if people want to get a hold of you uh keep providing with your contact information
1: yeah, my my contact information is uh, my email is jamesfreeman 8 at yahoo.com. And you can use my phone number too, 402-651-3402. I'm always available. All I'm right, he made, it <laughs> he,
0: made, he made it nice and easy for you. Retirement made it nice and easy for you. That's that's, that's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> so professor freeman, you know um, uh, the purpose of this podcast is really to introduce our listening audience to people like yourselves who achieved a lot of great things in life and have them have you walk us through, you know, one of the most difficult times of your life and uh, uh, kind of give us an insight look at that to help us. So, if we have listening members out there who are um, going through different times, they can take what you're saying and apply it to their lives and be hopeful and get beyond it, though. So, I want to start off with the first question, Professor Freeman, and it is um, what's been the biggest obstacle you had to overcome?
1: personally or professionally in your life? Uh, It's been a series of them. And all of them started when I was born in 1942. Uh, Born in 1942, I was raised in a segregated rural community where opportunity was limited to non-existent. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to come through all of that and then get a quality education was a challenge. And it had so many layers to that. Yeah. And so uh, that has, so my life has been obstacles that I've been able to overcome for most of the time. My uh, my mom and father uh, was they worked on a farm. Wow. My 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 mom uh, worked for the richest woman in town, and she raised their kids and cooked for them. Wow. My dad my dad worked for the uh, the father. And um, he worked in the fields, in the farms. And eventually he started to be a sharecropper with the same person. And so my dad had very no education. He went to the fifth grade. My mother went to the eighth grade. But my mother was from a place called Warm Spring, Georgia. Very intelligent lady. Uh, When you think about Warm Spring, uh, what about President Franklin uh, Roosevelt? Uh, really? It was from Warm Spring. That was his second home in Warm Spring because he had polio. And he went to Warm Spring because uh, uh, Warm Spring had warm water.
2: Okay.
1: And wow. so that that's where he went to work on his legs. And my mother was one of the person that had made a speech before him. Uh, and, and so that was a claim to wow. frame. And she, she uh, didn't go into fourth and in eighth grade, but she was Wow. Uh, but she did get an opportunity to do that.
0: Now when I, uh,
1: but I was from this little small town. And when I think about it, we we had a school that was right across the street but we couldn't go to that school. So we had to walk like two miles to school. All wow. the black kids had to go walk about wow. two miles to school. And uh, what happened was during the, during the months anywhere from August all the way to November, we had school, but most of the kids couldn't go to school wow. because they had to go to the cotton fields wow. and pick cotton. So all, all the teachers had to be at school, all the elementary school had to be at school, but there was no kids. There might be three, four or five kids that were there for the whole time, but the teachers had to be there for the whole time. But most of the kids was in the fields. Wow. But my dad had no education, but he was very smart. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, the teachers have to be at school every day. He said, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to send you and your brother to school every day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you can only go half time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you go to school half time, you can get one-on-one instruction, and then you can go to the fields after lunch and work to sun, uh, sundown." To pick cotton, To pick cotton, Wow. And so that's what we did. Wow. And I was one of the few students, a few of us, one of the few students that got to go to school every day. Wow. Because my dad was just that smart and resilient. Yes. And so that made, I guess that made the difference in my life. And then when I got to be, uh, then after we got out of the, uh, the primary school, they sent us to, they consolidated all the schools around surrounding counties, it's about 13 or 14 little small counties, uh, African-American students. And they sent them to a brand new school uh, and all of us went to that school. Yes. And uh, that was in the middle of the county. And then, uh, however, when you think about uh, what we had to go through, they gave us, the white kids got all the new buses. Wow. And they gave us the old buses. Hmm.
2: They
1: gave us the a down bus. The same thing with books. All the new books. We never got a new book. Wow. We always got old books. Whenever they finished and got a new series of books, we would get the old books. Wow. And then myself, I was always so inquisitive. I always asked my dad, I said, What why do we have these old books? And why are we riding on? these old buses, Uh don't make sense. And so he said, son, that's just the way it is. I said, well, it might be the way it is, but it ain't right. Yeah. So, and he he always used to tell me, you just can't do that, you can't do that. And so those were some of the challenges I faced coming up, but I was always inquisitive. I was a smart young man, but at the same time, there were so many students that was in my school that was so much smarter than me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but didn't get an opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we went to a seg- I went to a segregated school. All my teachers was Black,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, great teachers. Yes. But just think about what they was working with, old books. <laughs> so they, they had a tough time. Yes. But they did well with what they had. Wow but you think about some of the gaps that I had in my education, it was unbelievable.
0: Yeah. You know, Professor Freeman, that that, that um, you know—that that is absolutely incredible. You know, oftentimes, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s um, out West. So when I hear stories about, um, you know, individuals, phenomenal individuals like yourself growing up in the South, my dad grew up in the South of Little Rock, had to endure some of the segregated times as well, For um, some of our listening audience out there, they may not necessarily know what that's like to be in a place where you're picking cotton and you're being seen as a second-class citizen. Talk to us about the emotions that kind of go along with being viewed as a second-class
1: citizen in the, in the world that we know today or knew back then. It was, it was always a problem for me. Uh, my mm. dad was, never let that affect him because he was very well-respected, even though he had a, a very low education level, but, it, but he was very well-respected in the community. And I mm. looked at that. But I, I think so many people in our community uh, took that as it's okay. Wow. And uh, uh, because they've lived it so long and that's just that's, that's the way it was and nobody was gonna change. And then you have, uh, then my, here you come, you, here you have a fellow like me that is always questioning everything, wondering right. how? I said, this is, second I, right, I can't deal with this. Right, And uh, having somebody to, uh, at least have them think about those kinds of things. Yeah. And I was one of those fellow would have them thinking about it. Well, wow, wow,
2: wow, wow.
1: And then I was one of those. And then there was a few others uh, that made some of the people within our community start thinking about those things. And uh, being a second class citizen just was not an option for me. That's right. It was not an option. That's right, And it was one of those things that all through schools, I was my president of my uh, school for anywhere from eighth grade to the 12th. And I was very outspoken. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was always questioning, why, why do we have to do this? Why do we have old books? Why do we have to accept this? And um, so I was always aware of that. And there was always a couple of people that um, would took, took me under the wing and said, well, well, there's a way that you have to address some of these issues. Hmm. We, don't, we are not in a situation where we can overcome these things at this time. So, these are ways that you're going to have to deal with it by the way you talk to people. Yes. You know, you just can't, uh, we don't have the power. Yes. They have all the power. Uh-huh. And uh, you just can't, uh, you, 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 you can't do what you want to do. Yes. And so, then I sort of got back and and try to listen a little more. Uh huh. But I was I was I was pretty pretty outspoken on that. And then i uh, and I have to say, I had no, I had no idea of whether I was going to go to college. I hadn't planned on going to college. That was not an option. Sure. Because we had, we had no money. How was going to get there? Hmm. So it just so happened I was working in the, I was working uh, after school. I was going to work, Uh, working on grass and cut grass and do whatever. Uh, Professor from, uh, I was a professor from the University of Georgia Uh, and I used to help him. And we, we just used to talk all the time. And he said, Jim, you're smart. So I said, well <laughs> yeah, right. I, I didn't thought about being smart, I was just being freeman. Yeah and so he said uh, have you thought about going to college? I said what college <laughs> nobody in my little community had gone to college. I said, no, I ain't not thought about going to college. I don't have, we don't have we don't have any money. He said, Jim, I want you to go back to Mari and ask your counselor about schools, some schools. Why don't you think about that? So I went back the next day. And uh, asked, the guy, I said, "What about college?" And he seemed to think. He said, "Well, you, you really can't afford to go to school or whatever." Mm-hmm. And so I said, "Well," but he told me there's some some schools that maybe I need to look at. Sure. So we they didn't really help me. So I went and started reading. I read about um, uh, Booker T. Washington and George yeah. Washington Carver. And so what happened is I wrote a letter uh, to Tuskegee. Really? And, wow! Uh, yeah, And they sent me some information about about the school. I told them well, I've talked about it, and and so I wrote the letter and sent all the information to them, and then had my counselor send the information to them. And then I was a basketball player, and uh, I was a pretty good basketball player, and I got a I got a scholarship to uh, some a small school in North Carolina, but I knew that. Uh, I wasn't gonna be able to play basketball because I had gaps in my learning. I knew that, Uh and I knew that it was best for me to go to Tuskegee if I could. Mm. I received a, uh, a, a scholarship in the beginning from Tuskegee, but my counselor decided that I wasn't worthy. Really? Yeah, because I was one of those kids that always question things you know back then and there you were supposed to be seen and not heard and I was often heard (laughs) (laughs) and so uh he questioned me and so I guess the whole little school had a meeting about me and uh and they took the scholarship the Tuskegee uh didn't have scholarship they sold so they sent information uh, they sent information where I had to take one of those, one of those tests, where I see whether you are. <laughs> <laughs> you get <it> all up <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you, you okay, of course yeah. it, was, it, was, it was no problem, I passed the test, but at that time, all the scholarship was gone and they offered me an opportunity scholarship, which was a five-year scholarship program. Wow. And the program was where you would work full-time the first year and then you will go to school part-time so when I went to Tuskegee uh I worked the far I worked full-time as a custodian at the Chamberlain's Children's House wow that, that was a, a elementary school for faculty members uh kids so mm-hmm. I worked as a custodian the full-time uh, the first year and I went to school part-time and then after the first year I began to work as a uh, with the yearbook staff, and also worked as um, uh, yearbook staff and newspaper staff for the rest of the time, and so that's and that's why I got that's how I got to school. I had no idea about going to school. Uh, that that uh, is
0: absolutely amazing. Um, that your counselor, the person who's supposed to be advocating for you
1: to go to college, be- becomes the roadblock. Yeah, to to college. Uh, that was uh, it. Was it was very interesting. And, and so I never let him forget it. Yeah. Well, was he African American yeah. as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, yeah that, that's yeah. He was African. He was African American. <laughs> he was, uh, but he was one of those that didn't you know, question him because um, one of the one of the I guess one of the, really what upset him was he was the counselor. He was also a science teacher and then also a typing teacher. You mm-hmm. know. And I was pretty, pretty smart, and I was often questioning him about, mm-hmm. about things. Uh, and then own, one, of the, one day, we was in a typing class, and I was showing some of the students how to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, Jim, what are you doing? I said, well, and I was smart, smart ass, probably. <laughs> I told him, I said, well, I'm teaching these kids what you're not doing. <laughs> and so you got to do it right there. That, was, that, was, that, was, that did it. And so he sent me to the office. So uh-huh. well, those, those kinds of things. But, uh-huh. um, but uh, you know, having people, when I think about where I came from, I'm saying, boy, how did you get here? Yes. How did I get here? Yes. Because I, supp- I wasn't supposed to be here.
2: Yes.
1: And uh, coming from, 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 from elementary school to high school, and then to college, then part of the civil rights movement, then coming to OPS. That's then up. To all public schools. To UNO, yes. Huh? And then UNO. University
0: of Nebraska at Omaha, yes. Omaha, yes. yes. So I was supposed to be here. Wow. You know, that, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, I read Dr. King's father's uh, biography. He also grew up in a rural area in Georgia as well. He talked about being one of those, those kids who grew up questioning segregation and how he was often told, hey, this can't be changed. You know, you sit back and you That's just right. go along with it. But he refused to go along with that. And he actually left the rural community of uh, Georgia to go to Atlanta, where he saw blacks, you know, seem to be a little bit more progressive in their thinking. And he said, I want to be a part of this wave. And he kind of uh, uh, stirred up a lot of stuff, you know, to, to, to make sure Atlanta was going to become the place where um, blacks had equal opportunity as whites. You know, it took some time to get there, though. But it sounds like, you know, the two of you had similar paths as well. So for our listening audience out there who may, may not necessarily be, you know, familiar with the segregated uh, South, what are some of the coping mechanisms that you dealt with to endure but not let uh, let segregation stop you from achieving your goals and dreams? What,
1: what did you do to keep going forward? Well, I, I learned, I learned, I had to be pretty quiet uh, mm. because I couldn't go, I had to do things in private rather than doing them out in public.
2: Mm-hmm. For
1: example, my dad always tell me, you can do these things, but you gotta be very careful. Sure. You can question things, but that's a way you question things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna deal with that? He says, so if you can't do it here, you might have to find other place to do it. Mm. And he said, uh, He said I understand exactly what you're saying he said but the problem with you you want to move too fast Mm. and I always tell him I said dad but you're moving too slow (laughs) and I said and 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 I just I just don't like where 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 we're going he said well son one of these days you understand where I'm saying Mm. he said because uh Uh, well, you want to move fast. We don't have the mechanism to move fast. Mm, Wow. And see, if you don't have the mechanism, he said, you have to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. And he says, say, sometimes the small steps will get you there. Other than lie, you can't make the lie step. And so I used to, I used to think about that all the time because I always wanted to move fast. Sure. And then, and and when I left and went to, and, and I have to think about uh, <clears throat> all the people that helped me along the way. Uh-huh. I always talk about, it takes a village. Sure. See, I was one of the first few people that went to college for my little small town. Mm. And that little small town was so happy. Mm. And they took me under their wings and wanted me, because I was the first one, they wanted me to succeed. Yes, because if I succeeded, the others would follow. Yes. And so I was that I was that first one. And even though my my mother worked for the second richest lady in town, my my aunt worked for the second richest lady in town. And I used to go with her to this this lady's house. And uh, they were very nice people. And we couldn't newspaper. So this white lady would take all the newspaper, and she would save them for me. Hmm. And when I went to there, I was read these papers from cover to cover. Wow! And then because we didn't have anything, so I would just read them,
0: and she just yeah. loved that. Clarify. So you said as black people, you guys couldn't get the newspaper in your in your town?
1: We, we, no, we didn't get the newspaper. Wow! We didn't get. To, we, first of all, we couldn't afford it. Okay. And uh, we didn't get a newspaper. So the, the white lady, she had all the papers. So she'd save them for me. And when I went up there, I just read them. And so, and she was so impressed with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, she's, and when I went off to school, she said, Jim, do you have any money? I said, no, ma'am, I don't have any money. <laughs> she said, well, i tell you what I'm going to do. She said, I'm going to lend you the money, I'm going to give you some money. And she said, well, but you're gonna have to pay me back. Hmm. I said, oh, oh, that's fine. And uh, every time I tried, got out of school and tried to pay her back, she would never take it. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so every time I went back home, even though when I got here and got my education and went back, every time I would go and meet her, we'd stay and talk to her for hours,
2: uh-huh.
1: hours. And so those kinds of people, even though I was black at the time, yes. she was, uh, and it's amazing. Some of the richest people in the town was the most uh, inclusive person in town. Wow, wow. The person that was not inclusive was one of the the poorest people. Sure, and it, it was amazing. Wow. Because, and, and then you have to look at it also. The the richest people in town had uh, African Americans working for them. Sure. And see they had a different uh they treated them, they didn't treat them differently. Uh-huh. They treated them better. Uh-huh. But the the poor white one was the one that was very hard on. Yeah. So you
0: as competition, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, in uh, um, Dr. King's father's book, he talks about how in Sweet Auburn in Atlanta, how, mm-hmm. you know, less than uh, a decade, less than a generation after slavery, you had a, a prosperous Black neighborhood in Atlanta and the middle-class whites in Atlanta were very upset and came and burned down their neighborhood because they were, they were thriving. So it's, it's great to hear that even during those times, you had whites who who got it and said, "Hey, you know, we if we right. be we all have to be better. So we have to be inclusive." And you know, and you know, I love the advice you said your father gave you about how you had to crawl before you had to walk. We had to get the systems in place before we can get asked for a lot of things we're asking for. Was there another piece of advice that he gave you that really kind of kept you uh, that you that you kind of hold on to that kept you going through that time? He, he, he always tell
1: me, uh, "You're a smart, young man." He said, you're very smart. He said, but uh, you don't have to tell everybody that. Oh, wow. <laughs> he said, you don't have to uh, wear a sign around your leg, say I'm smart.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> he said, we need to do that. He said, they'll figure that out. Yes. So you can do that. Yes. He said one of the best, one of the the, the things that a lot of you people don't realize, he said, is that you don't have to tell everybody. That's right. <laughs> Just, just look. You treat everybody with respect. You treat everybody nice. Yes. And then you don't have to worry about it. He said, uh, "You you don't look down on anybody." That's right. He said, uh, "It doesn't matter where they come from." He said, "Now you." He said, "You see me?" He said, "Even the richest person, I'm gonna treat them the same as I would anybody else." That's right. He said, because there are no better or no worse. And he said, in your life, he said, wherever you go, he said, you make sure that you never look down on anybody. That's right. He said, because those people, those people, uh, he said, no, he said, you always just a paycheck away yeah. from the boss.
0: Yes. Well, that's some great advice, boy. And... and uh, <laughs> T- timeless like, advice as well, because it's something yeah. we all want to keep in mind, right?
1: He said, "No," nah, and he said, always be willing to share. Yes. Always be willing to share. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, he said, I don't have anything but people, you see all the people that come by the house every day uh-huh. to eat or whatever. Just because we don't have anything, yes. but you got to be able to share. And whenever people need it, let them have it. Wow. He said, now, you, we talk about church. He said, uh, he said, a lot of people tied. Yeah. He said, I have nothing to do. I have nothing uh, against tired." He said, but I tied every day. Yes. By helping people be the best that they can be. Wow, that's good. He said, uh, a lot of people think giving to the church and half all that, is good. He said, but at the same time, if I'm giving to these people every day, yes, that's more important. Yes. Wow. So he gave me that kind that of information. So and I always, and that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And wherever I've gone, wherever I've been a principal, I always looked at that piece. That's right. When I, when I was a principal, my first time as a principal, I used to get everybody the first day school that the first day of the custodian, the cooks, the teachers, the parents, everybody. And I tell them, here we are. I said we're all in this together. Yes. There's nobody no better. There's nobody no worse. Right. I said some of you have had the privilege of getting a college education, but you still no better or no worse than anybody else so we got so all of us has to work together to make sure that school is running
0: that's right because it takes all of
1: us i said we can be as separate as a finger but fingers but we're part of that hand
0: that's right well i love it
1: and so if if we all work together just think what we can do our students and our community that's right that's right and i do that every year i bring them all together and say i said when you see a student acting up or doing things take care of it that's right wow. i said if you have a custodian here that has a relationship with kids use them that's right <laughs> use it because they're probably his next door neighbor
0: that's right you know, Mr. Freeman, that that, that is profound. You know, and it sounds like the advice that your father gave you carried a long way as well. You know, one question, the other question I have for you is when you were going through this experience of, um, because there are, I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of people who didn't get motivated to get beyond that. They simply said, hey, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to always be. I'm going to lay down. And I, this is it, though. You kept fighting. What kept you motivated to keep going and fighting beyond what you were seeing as, uh, other people seeing you as a second-class
1: citizen. What kept you motivated? I I wanted to make a difference. I always wanted to go back home and be an inspiration to so many of our young uh, to our young people. Yes. Because if I could do it, they could do it. Yes. And I saw so many. I, I, I tell you, it worries me to this day that I had so many smart kids. That it could have done so many things more so than me, that didn't get an opportunity to do to do that, and so when I came back home, you should have seen the number of students was so excited. Wow! And so then all of a sudden, we have a pipeline yes. to Tuskegee. Wow! Wow! I was the first, and then everybody from that thing started going to Tuskegee. Wow. And then after that, it sort of branched off. Yeah, so I was the first. Wow. And it just sort of branched off. You're talking about impact. Yeah, so yeah. That impact. That was in impact. And then what happened when I went to Tuskegee, I'm telling you, going to that HBCU That's right. was probably the most profound thing in my life. That's right. Because I got to see other black yes. students, Yes. some was middle class, upper class, Yes. they came from all over the world, all over the United States. I saw them making a difference. I saw them, smart students, Yes. and I saw, I said, oh my God, if they can do it, I can do.
0: It. That's right.
1: But even though I had some gaps in my learning, some of those students were able to help me. That's right. Those teachers were able to help me. Yeah. Because um, in Tuskegee, they were not about to let you fail. That's right. Because they didn't want you to go back. Wow. I failed And so those kinds of things. And then the other part, I got involved in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. That was a big piece. I remember in the sixties, we had a, a Tuskegee at that time was uh, was pretty laid back, but we got a new dean who was uh, Dean B. Train Phillip, young man. <laughs> oh man, I remember just like yesterday. Young man got us really involved about the conscience of the nation, yes, uh, social justice, and he got us involved in the civil rights movement. Mm. And then uh, he was bringing people on campus. Uh, uh, I got involved uh, doc, I got march with Dr. Martin Luther King, wow. got involved with Stoker Carmichael, all of them. I was involved with, with all, all of that. Wow. And we got involved in those kinds of things. And then uh, Tuskegee in the 60s really got involved in that. We, was a, we were heavily involved in the civil rights movement. In fact we have what we call a tax program Tuskegee Institute uh, community education program which we worked in the, uh, in the Black belt counties of Alabama
2: uh,
1: for outreach and also voter registrations and what like that so I got involved in that I was, I was involved in the march on my, uh, march on uh, from Selma wow. several months on uh, Montgomery so I was involved in all that so I got the opportunity to do so many things yeah. and to meet so many other people. I got an opportunity to meet Malcolm X. Yeah, he came to our campus. Malcolm X was, uh, his uh, his wife was uh, was a student at Tuskegee. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, so I got a chance to meet him. Got a chance to meet Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, Stokely Carmichael, man, Stokely was. <laughs> yeah, you fired up, didn't you? <laughs> it, it, was, it was fired up, and that was, those were the time I got to meet all these people yes. who made an uh, impact on my life. Yes. And uh, coming from Tuskegee, being in the HBCU, taught me the social consciousness of the world.
2: Yes.
1: What can I can do to make the difference? Yes. And so And so I was so heavily involved in the civil rights movement. Uh, one day I was uh, I was in a class I was t- taking philosophy, and one of my instructor who was Doctor Eubanks uh, came into the class and he said, "Jim," and there was about sixty people in the class, and he was had an application. He said, "Jim," he said, "I have an application where you can go anywhere in the country to be part of the first national teacher pool. Hmm. They're training teachers to be." Teachers in the inner city. And uh you can they'll pay you a beginning teacher salary and you can get your master's degree. Wow. And so I said, Well, doc, I'm I'm, I'm heavily bothered surviving. I'm not I'm not interested in that. He said, Jim, yeah. He said, Well, all you want to do is is get your when you're gonna graduate and get your big red GTO and chase women. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was so I was so upset with you, so I give an application. I going to fill his application out. So uh, me and my buddy filled the application out. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, on the application you could go anywhere in the country: California, New York, Atlanta, New Orleans. But I put on my application no preference because I wasn't planning to go nowhere. Lo and behold, my me and my buddy got a, a call from Dr. Floyd Water from Omaha University. They said, we'd like for you to come to Omaha to be part of the first national teacher call. I said, where? <laughs> he said, Omaha. <laughs> I said, that's Nebraska, right? <laughs> I said, I'm not coming up there. I said, the only thing I know about Nebraska is the football team. <laughs> he said, uh, I said, no, we're not coming. So I called my buddy. He said, well, we we you know got to go and talk to Dr. Eubanks because he's going to have a fit if we don't go. So we go, those Friday night, go over to Dr. Eubank, knocks on the door. I said, Dr. Eubank, I wanted you to know. I got filled out the application. We both, and we was accepted, but we're not going no more. He said, Oh yeah, you're going. <laughs> I said, no, we're not. He said, school is just out. He said, I want you all to go home, pack, and your plane leave in the morning and you're going first class. Really? So I said, what? I said, doc, come on to go home. He said, no, if you go home, you ain't gonna come back. Wow. Yeah, so the next morning, we packed, then go home. Left from Tuskegee. Tuskegee, he yeah. put us on the plane. Wow. And he said, "Somebody's gonna meet you at the airport hmm. from National Teaching Board Hmm. They met us at National Teacher Core, me and my buddy, and put us in there and the YMCA, stayed in the YMCA. Is that right? That's right. Wow. That's how I got here. Wow. And so, so my buddy said, we'll stay two years and we're gonna get on back down. <laughs> so so yeah, that then that my first, yeah, first. How many um, years department. has
0: it been in Omaha? You've been in Omaha. 55. Fifty-five years. Look at that. Two, two right. years with the fifty-five yeah. years. That—that that is amazing. Right. You know, so, right. you know, Professor Freeman. When you think back to your, to your, um, your experience growing up in the segregated South, you know, going to the HBCU, How do you think all
1: that shaped you as a person? Well, it made me a better person. Mm. Cause I, I, I remember. I, it taught me to always remember from whence you've come. Yes. And it doesn't matter where you come from, you can make it. Yes. It don't matter. You can come from the lowest of lowest. And I was Mm -hmm. I was that. Yes. And I made it. So I always try to tell my story. Yes. You can make it. That's right. You can make it. That's right. And so I use that when I'm working with my students. Yes. But you can make it. Oh, it it doesn't matter. Even I, I sort of relate to those kids. That's right. I relate to them and I try to tell my stories so they know that they can make it. That's right. And that any kind of resources that I can give them, I'm going to make sure that they get them. Wow. Whether it's monetarily, whether it's uh, knowledge or whatever. That, that fact, is so powerful. That is powerful. In fact, uh, I got a call the other day. I, I was on Facebook from a kid named Teddy Brown. He called me, Mr. Freeman. I've been trying to get in touch with you. So I said, tell me. I said, "So on my Facebook, I put my number there for him to call." Me, so he called. The Miss Freeman. He said, "I've been trying to get in touch with you for a long time." He said, "I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done for me wow. when I was in elementary school." He said, "I remember your elementary school when you used to get on me all the time." He said, "Do you remember when you used to?" He said, "I used to get so mad with you because you would, you said." Teddy Broom, since you wouldn't call me about my <laughs> Teddy. It's Teddy Broom. What are you doing over there? And he said, "You used to tell me you're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. You're so smart. You gotta do this. You gotta do." He said, "Freeman, I went on. I got a college education, and I started to. Uh, I I was working at a bank. He said I didn't want a to to bank. He said I went out and got my own uh, cleaning company. Wow. And he said." Now I'm in, and you know, I'm an hour, and uh, I'm over, um, um, over so many places, wow. and I'm making all kind of money. He said, uh, "I'm almost a millionaire." And he said, uh, "I won't send you five hundred dollars." I said, "Oh no, don't, 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 send me any money. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that." Uh-huh. He said, "The Freeman, I'll be offended if you don't take it." He said, "I'll." Uh, I want to send you the money, and I want you to buy you some golf clubs, or uh, anything. But I want you to take this money. I said, "No, I can't do that. I can't do that." He said, "Well, I'm sending it anyway." <laughs> and he said, "I want to have lunch with you when I'm back in town." Uh, so I wake up the next morning. I guess, uh, in fact, Monday morning. Thing from Walmart, five hundred dollars uh yeah wow yeah. and then he writes the letter he said thank you sir for all you've done yeah wow that that and, is that is impact god so, man it's a it's uh when i was at UNO, it's not a it's not a week go by that i wouldn't get a uh uh email or something from somebody from all some of the schools that i've been with so that is that's powerful You know, Professor Freeman, when you look back over your
0: journey, would you do anything differently? Is there anything you do differently?
1: You know, no. Because the reason, because it made me where I am. Yes. It brought me here. I wouldn't do anything different. Yes. Because I had to go through that to make me who I am today.
2: That's right.
1: right. If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, have the compassionate yes that I have for people
2: mm-hmm.
1: I wouldn't be able to help people and I wouldn't and man I don't I never I always tell people I never take anything personal never I said because I don't know what they're going through that's right I don't know why they said that to me but I don't take it personally I have no ego that's right I don't have no ego because uh when I was a, when I was a principal I always wanted to hire the smartest and the best mm-hmm. because if I hire the smartest and the best, you can share that knowledge to me. That's right. And the rest of my students and the rest of my staff. That's right. You got. I don't have to, oh well, a oh, thing around my neck. I'm the principal. That's right. I don't yeah. I don't care who get the credit. That's, that's right. It right. matters for me, and I think that's so important. Principals have to realize. Always says the principle of the thing, but uh, all I want me as the principal, my job is to make sure I give you I give you the resources, give you any kind of help you need, and get out of the way and let you do your job. That's right. That's right. And when you need those that help, then I'm there to help you. That's right. That's if I see things that need to help, I'm going to help you that is profound
0: professor Freeman that is absolutely profound I think you were amazing uh, administrator as well you know so professor we, we're coming out of a year where uh, we have a lot of our listeners who have lost family members lost possessions lost jobs lost hope what piece of advice can you give those folks let them know that a better day is going to come what would you tell those folks out there who are struggling with
1: having hope right now hey keep hope alive yes I always say you got to keep hope alive yes. and uh just remember. This is just temporary.
2: Yes. Yes. This is
1: just temporary. Yeah. Things going to change. There's going to be a better day. Mm-hmm. just around the corner. Yes. I'm always looking for a brighter day. That's right. I'm not looking for the past, what has happened in the past. Things are going to get better. That's right. And as long as you have that outlook, that things are going to be- get better. It's going to get better. That's right. And uh be able to try to encourage those people. Encourage others. Yes. Or let them see you down. Yes. I always say, don't let nobody spoil your joy. That's right. I always tell, I always used to tell my teachers when uh, what I was let them in. I said, let me tell you. I said, when I come in here every day, I got joy. Yes. I said, I'm happy to be here. That's right. I said, don't you when you when somebody come in and want to tell you and want to complain about this, complain about that, I say, oh, I don't want you spoiling my joy. Oh, no, <laughs> don't do that. Because you want to look at a brighter day. That's right. And if somebody want to tell you oh, all this kind of stuff, well, mess your day up. No, I don't want to start my day like that. That's right. Don't spoil my joy. That's right. <laughs> don't take that away from me.
0: <laughs> a a, a, bri- a brighter day is going to come, and it's up a to brighter, us. To a right.
1: brighter day is going to come, and uh, and you know, I never, I always tell people, don't look for pay. That, that's not important to me. Yes, uh, the finance is never important. I'm going to tell you a, a story. When I was a principal, uh, I was a teacher, principal, assistant principal, whatever. I was offered a job, made a lot of money. Uh, we had a company here called Northern Natural Gas. It was a company downtown in Omaha, mm-hmm. offered me a lot of money. A lot of teachers went with the company
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they stated to me, uh, "All everybody was sort upset, of Mr. Freeman, you gotta take that job. You're gonna make all the money. I said, well, 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 well. I said, I enjoy coming to school today. I enjoy my students. I enjoy my community. I enjoy my faculty. Yes. I said, I enjoy the kid. I said, hey, I love this. I said, uh, they said, well, what about the money? I said, well, I ain't never had none, so I don't know what I'm missing. <laughs> I said, so so I turned the job down.
2: Yes.
1: I said, the money would be there. What happened? The company moved to Houston. Wow.
0: That's what the company, Enron. Enron, I was gonna say, wow, really? That's the company. Wow.
1: wow. The company, it was, it was it was, here in Omaha. That was. Wow. That's what moved from here to Northern Natural Gas. That was it, it moved there. To
0: wow. North. So I think the lesson behind that is folks, a brighter day is gonna come, but don't chase the money to get there though. Don't chase the money to get there. Do what you Do love it. doing. Do what you love that, doing.
1: That, that passion. Yes, you know, you hey, hey, you'll find your happiness. You find that passion when you find your happiness.
0: Yes, that's profound. You know, so P- Professor uh, Freeman, we've had a chance to talk a lot about some of the tough stuff. Are you ready to have some fun now? Of course. All right. If, th- if there's a guy who's ready to have fun, it's Professor Freeman. So, Professor Freeman, this is the part of our show we call our rapid fire uh, purpose questions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a number of questions. I'm not going to elaborate on the questions at all. I want you to give our, our listening, me and our listening audience, your best answer, okay? I'm not going to yep. elaborate on any of the questions, okay? So the first question is, Professor, how have you turned a dream into reality? Working hard. Working hard, okay. What gives your life meaning? Family and student, And my students. Okay. What word best describes you? Motivated. Okay. What problem do you wanna solve in our world?
1: Oh my God. Oh, racial issues. Yes. That is a big one. Yes. That one, that one, I've been working on that all my life. Yes. And uh, I was telling people that one really, really, that is, that that one is heavy because that's, I've always been the civil rights person and that's, Going from there to there, and look like we are sort of regressing a little. Yes. that has always bothered me because Thank I worked so hard on
0: that. Absolutely, absolutely. What was your favorite thing to do as a kid? Read and play sports. <laughs> <laughs> your teachers would be very happy with that answer. That's a good answer. Right <laughs> what do you wish you had more time to do?
1: I'm. Uh, uh, I wish that I'd had more. When I think about my life, the one thing that all educators better think about is saving everybody else's kid and forgetting your own. Wow, that's profound. Yes, and we as educators. A lot of us do that. Wow. That,
0: that 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 right there is going to be a whole other show for us. I'm going to get you back for the whole other show on that yeah. one right there, though. Yeah. What does your 15 year old self imagine you'd be doing right now?
1: Woo-hoo. I thought I would be in the, my 15 year old, I thought I'd be in the Air Force.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Who inspired thought, you? To... I, sorry.
0: Go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I, I always wanted to go to the Air Force. in fact, I joined the Air Force right out of uh, of college and my mother went down to the Air Force and told him I was not I was not going to the Air Force because <laughs> I had gotten a scholarship so she <laughs> told him I was not going Your Mother's, so... mother's- <laughs> who, who
0: right. inspires you the, who inspires you the most?
1: Who, who inspires me now the most? Yes sir. Woo, 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 woo! God, I, you know, I had to look back at that. I had so many people that inspired me. From God, that's a hard one. Mm-hmm. But I guess when I think about it, uh, the, the probably one of the person had more impact on me was my dad. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because of oh, his. Uh, uh, real no education, but at the same time, uh, had the respect and the wisdom. Yes. I think uh, he probably inspired me most because I really wanted to uh, to be the best that I can be because of him. Well, wow, that's awesome. Because he, he, yeah, he never wanted. Uh, he always wanted you to. You can, you can do better. You can do better. You can do better, even though he had no. To college you know when i went to, went off to college uh in this little town everything uh, award I, I would get or uh, if i moved up he would put it in the little little local newspapers wow. so wow. so he was proud
0: yeah that, that is amazing yeah what's something you'll spend
1: time doing no matter what reading reading, reading and uh and and working uh, working and and mentoring young people. Okay. You know, that's what keeps me young. (laughs) Young people keep me young. That's
0: right. What do you want your your grandchildren to say about you? He was a good man. Okay. If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be?
1: Oh my God. I could share wisdom to all young people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a
0: great superpower to have. We need to make that. You are doing that right now, Mr. Freeman. Oh yeah. my God. Yes. What sparks your creativity?
1: <sighs> oh, that's a good one. I guess wisdom. Okay. You know, okay. wisdom. You yeah. know, I think uh reading and uh, listening, and, you know, I'm I'm always, when I hear things, I listen to, I'm all, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm That's always right. listening. And I'm trying to, and, you know, as educators, we always stealing stuff, you know, you know, we, we don't steal stuff. We just get stuff That's from right. everybody. That's we're right. sponges, you know, and we can learn so much from, Everybody, we don't have all the knowledge, but all of us together have a lot of knowledge. Right. And, and educators are all the ones that are willing to share knowledge. They share knowledge, right. and they don't. The teachers don't care who used their stuff.
0: That's right. They
1: don't want you to reinvent the wheel. Why should we reinvent the wheel when it's already been done?
0: That's right.
1: Just use it. Yeah. Well, just be a sponge and use it. Get all that stuff.
0: All right. Next question. If you became president today, what law would you pass first?
1: Woo-wee. <laughs> uh, I, I that racial thing is still getting me. Yeah. I it have to be equal for everybody regardless of where you come
0: from.
2: Yeah. Equality. Yeah.
0: If you could follow someone around for a day, who would it be and why?
1: You know what? It would probably... be, Oh my God! I'm I'm gonna have... Uh, I you know what? I'm I, I admire uh, Barack Obama. Yes, the guy was smart. He was, and, uh, he was smooth. <laughs> yes. yes, you know, and uh, I just like to. Figure his mind out because it's all it seemed to always be working, you know. Right. He's cool, calm, and collected. That's right. Know? Nothing never rankles him. You know, you look at he always knew how to do that. That's right. And I and I'm telling you, what makes this man tick? Yeah, and he's one of those that make me say, don't let me see, don't let nobody see you sweat. That's he's right. one he he yes. He's Yes. Cool all the time. Whatever question you ask him, he just same thing. <laughs> and love so I I'd it. like to follow him and get some little tidbit. How do you do this? <laughs> right. <With> President Obama, <laughs> if, if, you everyone... to, if you have to
0: listen to okay. President Obama, you got, you got some folks who want to follow you around over here, so make sure you tap into us, though. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Freeman, what's been the one thing you have never been afraid to do?
1: Woo! Take a chance. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I've always been willing to take a chance on it yes because if I don't take that chance who's going to take it? that's right I'll take a chance that's right you know I've been willing to do that and I' <laughs> if it's for especially for the benefit of others that's right
0: mr. Freeman what moment from your childhood are you most proud of
1: you know probably being able to go to college mm. because it was not a Yes. It was not on my radar. Yes. And being able to go there and complete it was a, uh, was a sort of a shining light for that whole community. That's right. And then the whole community come went to Tuskegee to see the graduate. That's right. That's, right.
0: That's beautiful.
1: <laughs> we took up the whole table. <laughs> they
0: were not representing Tuskegee. I love it. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Mr. Freeman, what, what does success look like for you?
1: success, being able to accomplish all the things that you always dreamed of accomplishing.
0: I love it. That's plain and simple. That's, that's good. I love that. What are you most grateful for? My family. Love it. What's been the biggest lesson you have learned in life?
1: The biggest lesson I've learned in life? Don't hold grudges.
0: Oh, I love it. That's good. And last but not least, Professor Freeman, how do you want to be remembered in history?
1: Probably, uh, I was always, um, he was always willing to help somebody. Mm. Wow.
0: Wow. That is profound. Professor Freeman, you survived. Give yourself a round of applause, sir.
1: Oh, I survived. You survived. You survived. You made it. You made it through. Hey, hey I'm so, I know I rambled on and on, but it was so many things that I, it was so many, and I think about uh, when I got to Omaha, uh, the people that sort of took care of me, yes. the the black educators that took me under their wings, profound. And I tell you. Those black educator made a whole difference in my life. And coming to come in Omaha, the Omaha Public Schools, they they took care of me. That's a, that was my first job, and they took care of me. That's right. And you know,
0: out there, uh, uh I can uh, I can definitely uh raise my hand and say that uh Professor Freeman is making a difference in Omaha. That city loves him, he's making a difference in the lives of our young people out there as well. You know, Professor Freeman, as we get ready to wrap things up, um <clears throat> the purpose of our show is focused on purpose and resiliency. What last words can you give our listening audience around resiliency and purpose?
1: <clears throat> I think anytime you're gonna do something, Yes. You gotta have a purpose. Yes. You got to do it well. Yes. And you got to be able to make some hard choices. Yes. So many of us don't wanna make hard choices. Yes. You gotta be made to make hard choices and be able to make decisions. Yes. And when you make that decision, live by that decision. That's right. You look at, you look, hey, you weigh, you weigh it, you weigh all the turns, and then make the decision. That's right. And once you make that decision, live by it. That's right. That's right. Live so, and, you, be that able to, and be able to suffer the consequences. That's right. Hey? That's but, what we're talking about, right? But, but at least you made the decision. That's I can't stand nobody does. well, I don't know what to do. No, make the decision. That's right. And you as a leader has to make those decisions.
0: That's right. Resiliency is about making those decisions and living with those consequences. So I That's right. I appreciate that. So folks out there, if you are someone out there who is an overcomer, again, uh, Doctor uh, Professor Freeman, thank you very much for being here with me today. If you're someone out there, you're an overcomer, you have an amazing story we want to hear from you. I want you to go to tawatson.com and share your story with us. Subscribe to our podcast, Resilient Stories. Download this episode, rate it, share with you folks on social media. Again, I want to thank everyone out there for being with us today. God bless. Peace. Yours truly, Dr. Dr. Watson.